Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and welcome to our women's meeting. I'm so glad you're going to become a part of us. We have here a group of women that are endeavoring to walk in the kingdom, the power of God, and they're walking in that gospel. And you know what? We're getting results. We're getting beautiful, wonderful miracles, results of walking in believing on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we invite you to join your faith with ours. Join with us. Join your faith with ours and let God minister to you too. Let's open with prayer. My heavenly Father, I thank you. My heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. You are here. I thank you. You hear our voices. Father, I thank you for your presence. Father, I thank you that you open our ears that we can hear, that you open our eyes that we can see, that you open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And Father, I thank you for that spirit of grace. Father, I thank you for that spirit of grace, that grace abound. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to begin today's meeting with a testimony from a dear friend of mine, Cindy McAuliffe. If you'll come up here. Yeah, bring your mic. Cindy, when did you first come to Water of Life? August. Uh, Put the mic up to you. August. <laughs> Uh, 1981. I thought you were here before I was, yes. And we've known each other since I got here in 84, have been friends since. 84. Right, right. And Cindy has a beautiful testimony that I asked her to share. In fact, I asked her to share two today. One is about your mom, and the other is about Cindy. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you start about your mother. If you want to stand here where we can get a good camera shot, and I'll stand over here. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. It's been a little while since I've talked in front of anybody. So um, about three weeks ago, Kathy was ministering in the, in the meeting here, a women's meeting, and she spoke 2 Corinthians 1.3. And that scripture says that God is the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. And I didn't know I was going <laughs> to... I'm going to do this. Back up to your mouth. <clears throat> I didn't know I was going to need this so much, but... Uh, excuse me. I'm trying not to be emotional. Uh, it ministered to me. It grabbed hold of my heart. I looked at those two words, all comfort, and that's all I could see, all comfort. And I had questions. How? How are you all comfort? I know you're God. You can do anything you want to do. You're God. And I felt kind of ignorant asking, but I, I still kind of had questions. And, and what is all comfort? I know what the word all means. I know what comfort means. We all know what comfort means. But there was something in my heart that I was seeking, trying to understand. Goodness. A couple of hours later, the phone rang. It was my sister. She said, Cindy, Mama slumped over her chair. 
she's drooling, which she had never done before. She said she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know me. She said, I called Ronnie, that's her husband, and he said, call an ambulance. Thank God for Ronnie. <laughs> and I said, Jan, call an ambulance. <clears throat> I'm on my way. I live in Garland. Jan lives in McKinney. It takes about 45 minutes or so to get there, so <clears throat> I figured I'd be there relatively quickly. Well, it was bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on Central Expressway because there were two really bad wrecks. And it probably took me an hour to an hour and a half to get there. I figured if there was that much going on, I might as well relax. God had a hold of mom, it was gonna be okay. I got to the hospital and when I walked in, she's the first person I saw and I could tell she wasn't doing very well. I didn't know whether she'd be alive when I got there or whether, I didn't know what. I was trying to process things. So when the room cleared out, I went over to mom and I said, Mom, and she looked at me and I could tell she knew who I was. I could tell by the expression on her face. I said, you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Several hours later, they finally get us into a room and she's exhausted and we're ready to go home so she can have some sleep. Mom is 95 years old. She'll be 96 in just slightly over a month. This is not her first stroke. It's not even her fourth or fifth stroke. She may have had as many as six or seven strokes. I've kind of lost count. The next day they were gonna do an MRI on her to check and see what had happened. <clears throat> we, Jen and I went home, mom needed the rest. I got in my car and I started thinking about mom having a ministry for 25 years with her church. She was in charge of the homebound ministry for people that we used to call shut-ins. They made visits, cards, letters, flowers, did things at Christmas, birthdays, Thanksgiving. For 25 years she did this. After she had her first stroke and she learned to walk again, she would use her walker and she would go into the nursing homes and she would visit the people that were on her list. She did this faithfully for 25 years. She was in charge of the budget. She accounted for every penny, every month. She knew exactly what was going on and she worked diligently. God brought Dorcas up in my heart. How Dorcas had made coats for widows. And Peter went into the upper chamber and the widows were crying and showing him the coats. Dorcas had given them material comforts. And Peter moved them all out and prayed and Dorcas was raised from the dead. And they were all comforted. And in my car going home I only had one prayer Father of mercies God of all comfort comfort my mother it's her turn it's her turn to be comforted comfort my mother I don't know if I've ever prayed so hard in my life I prayed passionately, fervently, with tears. 
sometimes not tears, and I'm still praying the same prayer. The next day, they did the MRI. The results weren't going to be read and, and explained until the following day, so the following day, I'm going to skip ahead. The, Jan lives pretty close to the hospital. She got there before me, so I didn't get to hear the neurologist firsthand. But when he came in, <coughs> he looked at Mother, and she was sitting on the side of the bed. She wasn't holding onto the rails. She was sitting there. And Jan explained to him that she had just had breakfast, and she had fed herself, just as a matter of conversation. And he looked over at Mom, and he spoke to her and said, can you raise your arms? She raised her arms. He said, can you raise your legs? She lifted her legs. He said, can you, can you flex your ankles? And she did. And he turned to Jan and he said, she shouldn't be able to do this. He said, she's had a left basal ganglia stroke, moderate in nature. And I looked that up and it's about the key to movement, that part of the brain is the key to movement, judgment, and perception. He said, your mother's brain is dead. That part of her brain has calcified because of all the other strokes she's had, and that part of her brain is dead. And I can just see him going, but she's sitting there. <laughs> and his mind just kind of, you know, and he said, she should be a vegetable. But she's not. He said, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. He said, and I kind of got tickled at this, because he said, her brain's been rewired. I said, doctor, if you want to call the power of God rewiring somebody's brain, go for it. That's fine with me. I'm not offended in the least. He said, you can take your mama home. Mom's back at Jan's house. We decided we would get her physical therapist back and working with her, she's going to have to learn to walk again. We decided a speech therapist would help her. She's going to need to learn to speak again. I went home and I was troubled. This is the second part. <laughs> I was really, really troubled because she's 95. She's been through enough of these. I didn't want her to have any more. I didn't want her to have to relearn how to walk or talk. Enough already. And God brought up Romans 8.32. He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us good things? And all I could see were two words, spared not, spared not. And I was in my house, and I was speaking, spared not. And I looked and I said, that says, spared not. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, spared not Jesus. And I began to say, you spared him not from his flesh being torn and ripped apart and bleeding. You spared him not from being mocked and rejected and despised. You spared him not from being spit on and the nails in his hands and his feet. 
You spared him not from the crown of thorns. You spared him not from the, all his bones being out of joint. You spared him not from being laid in the lowest pit. But you did not leave him there. You did not leave him there. You brought him out of hell. You brought him out of the grave. You raised him up and glorified him and gave him a name above every name. You know those questions I had about all comfort? I just got them answered. That was and is all comfort. God did not spare Jesus. He didn't spare him from the Roman, the Roman scourge. He didn't spare him at all. Jesus took it full force. He didn't spare Jesus with the mocking and the, scour and the scourging and the hitting with rods. God did not spare his own son. He wouldn't spare him. He wouldn't spare him from the rods. He wouldn't spare him from the cross. He wouldn't spare him from being nailed to a tree. He would not spare him. He didn't let anything go back a little bit. He didn't let this, well, we won't do this full force because we don't want to hurt you. Jesus took it full force. He spared not. He spared not, like she said, from every bone being out of joint. He spared him not. Why? Why did he not spare Jesus? Because he wanted us. He wanted us. You know, I have four children, and I know, I know that if I was in a desperate situation and some of my children were in a bad place, that I would know that the one child I could trust to go get them because I couldn't, and I'd send them. I'd send them in a heartbeat. You know what? That's what God did. That's what God did. He had a whole bunch of children that were on their way to hell. On their way to hell. There was no hope for humanity. But he had one. He had one child. He had his son, Jesus, and he knew. He knew this child. This child. Our brother could go through what was necessary to save us. It was necessary. God knew Jesus was able to go to the cross. God knew Jesus was able to take our sin through the eternal spirit. God knew. God knew that Jesus was able to go to hell and he was able to keep believing God until God could raise him from the dead. God knew it. Did you know Jesus was your elder brother? Did you know your brother laid down his life for you? Do you know God didn't spare him so he could get you? So he could get you. So he could get you. Jesus came to get you reconciled back to the Father. I thought that was beautiful. And you had a real miracle come out of that. You ended up sick. You know how we all know sick, sick, sick. And she held on to that word. And what was it? Six days later. She couldn't eat. She couldn't do anything. Six days later, uh, 
I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you. She said, she said to me, she said, I'm going to go get me a hamburger and I'm going to eat it. With onions. And you know what? She ate it. Yeah. And kept it. That's the wonderful thing. Now, we've got about 12 minutes left. I thought I was going to continue on her vein. But while we were up there worshiping, God wanted me to come from another angle. Same thing. Jesus, Father, spare not Jesus for you. But we have no idea what Jesus bought for us. We really don't. We don't understand the treasures for us in heaven, and we don't use them. And that's part of the reason for this women's meeting. If I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel. I thought this was awfully strange that God said, I want you to minister this today with Cindy. I thought they really don't match, but you'll find out what Cindy was saying. They kind of do. If you'll go with me to 1 Samuel 16, this is in my heart. I can preach this. I like to be able to preach things. I know, I know this is in my heart. All right, chapter 16. I'm just going to read the first verse. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. God had a king ready to take Saul's place. So he sent Samuel. And I love the next verse. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. He'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, I want you to go to verse 11. And it says, and Samuel said unto Jesse, and we, the story is, he, you know, looks at the first one, and he thinks, well, this is the one that God has for, you know, king. And God says, oh, no, not him, not him. So he goes to the next one, well, this has got to be him. And God says, nope, not him. And he goes through all his sons. And then verse 11, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, well, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. We got the youngest one here. The youngest one, not the oldest, the youngest. It says, and he sent and brought him in. Now, David was ready and with all the good countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for, for this is he. Arise and anoint him. Anoint him. This is he. This is the one I want. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. There is where David was anointed with the spirit of the Lord. Now I got a question to ask you. Are you baptized in the Holy Ghost? Are you baptized in the Holy Ghost? If you are, you have the Spirit of God in you. You have the same Spirit that God put on the, the King David. You've got that same Spirit that was upon King David. The same Spirit. Not a different one. Not, you know, and, and well, I have less. Um, I, I love the way David explained this one day. So in other words, you only got the elbow. Or you only got the leg. Of the Holy Ghost. See, if you got the Holy Ghost, you got the whole Holy Ghost. 
You got the whole enchilada. You got the whole thing. You get the whole person of the Holy Ghost. You don't get part. You got the whole. You have the same spirit. If you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, and we know you cannot be baptized in the Holy Ghost unless you have, unless you are born again, unless you have the spirit of Jesus in you, unless you have received Jesus. The Holy Ghost won't come in a body that Jesus isn't already inhabiting. So you have to be born again, or you have to receive Jesus, whatever you want to call it, but Jesus has to be in you. Then you are baptized in the Holy Ghost. Two separate deals. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have the same spirit that was on David. The same. Same guy. Now, turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. And this is the story of Goliath, David and Goliath. But I want to look at a particular part. I want to look at the very end. And we're going to go to verse 38. Now David goes down and his older brothers are in the war. And Goliath comes out. And from what I understand, he was about nine feet tall. Big dude. Mean dude. And, and he had a, 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 a spear that was about as wide as a, a weaver's beam. I mean, this guy was nothing easy to look at. Now, notice. It says, David goes to the king, or King Saul, and he says, let me at him. I'll go. I'll go. Now, Goliath had already said, anybody fights me, if they win, then all of the Philistines are yours. But if I win, then all of Israel is mine, you know, under our rule. So what, is he, what does God do? He sends David, a ruddy youth, a ruddy youth. They figure he's about 15 at this time. 15 years old, somewhere around 15, 16. So he goes to Saul and he says, I'll go. And, and it's amazing. It's the spirit of God. Saul says, go ahead. Now look at verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor. And he put on a helmet of brass upon his head. And he also armed him with a coat of mail. He gave him all this armor. And David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go. He didn't want to go. For he had not proved it. He's going out to battle with the biggest warrior ever, and he's not going to go in something he's not been proven in, what he's used to fighting with. So he takes off the armor, and he says, this isn't going to work. And he, and he said, David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David took off the armor. He took off the armor. You know what? He took off everything in the flesh. He took off all that, uh, that trust in the flesh. He took it off. Now it's just David. And he took in his, he says he took a staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook. Why? Because he's used to this. He's used these before. And he's had success. So he goes and gets the five stones. And he puts them in a shepherd's bag that he had. And even in a script. And the sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So we got a nine foot tall guy. And from what I can read, David was not tall. He was ready. Ready. And the Philistine came and drew near to David. And the man that bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was offended. I would be too. He was offended. He said, am I a dog 
me with staves? A kid? Hadn't even shaved yet. He said, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. And I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, I want us to look at David. David. His trust is not in the flesh. He does not have armor on. It is just David. And it says, and then said David to the Philistine, look at these words. He said, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou has defied. What was David's weapon? It wasn't the five stones. The five stones weren't David's weapon. What was David's weapon? I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. What was the weapon? The Spirit of God with him. I come to you in the name. Look at that. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Who is going to do the fighting? The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I don't come to you with a shield. I don't come to you with any weapon. Five stones. What are the chances? I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And look what happens. Whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver me into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. Not only yours, everybody else's. Uh, the Philistines into the fowls of the air, into the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know. That there is a God in Israel. All the earth may know there is a God in Israel. What is the weapon? The weapon is God. The weapon he's using is God. It's not him. It's not armor. Now, look at what he does. I love this. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. The battle's the Lord's, not David's. The battle is the Lord's. And it says, and he will give you, he will give you into our hands. And I love this next part. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came nigh to meet David. Look what David did. He hasted and ran toward the army. He hasted and ran toward the army. No chicken in this child. He ran toward the enemy. Why? In the name of the Lord of hosts. He ran toward the enemy. Ran toward him. And the battle was the Lord's. That rock he threw was by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God took that rock and sunk it into Goliath's head and knocked him out. Knocked 
him out. That's when David could go get the sword and cut off his head. And that day, a child, a ready youth, got the Philistine army that as soon as David did that, Israel got up and went to war, and Israel won over the Philistines. Now, that is a beautiful story, but the same thing is with you. The same exact way that David fought Goliath is in you. It's in you. Go with me to Philippians 2. We will end here. Philippians 2. We're going to begin in verse 5. We know this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was a God and then became a man. It says, but made of himself of no reputation, emptied himself, emptied himself of all his godly ability, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, being found just like us, God, um, he, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God spared not his son for you. Now look at the next verse. Wherefore, wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, and that should, shall, is not in there. Every knee bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. His name is above every name. I have, in this last couple of weeks, had a couple of devils I had to go against. You know what? David had Goliath. We have the devil. We have the devil. The devil makes you sick. The devil takes away your salvation. The devil makes you poor. The devil steals your children. The devil does all of this, but you know what? We have a name. We have a name. We have a name. There was a situation that I set my heart against. And every time we started worshiping, you saw my hand go like this. And you know what my heart was saying? I come at you. I come at you. You come at me with, uh, you come at me with a sword and with a shield, but I come at you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I come at you in the name of Jesus. I come at you in the name of Jesus. I come at you in the name of Jesus. And you know who fights for me when I do that? The name of Jesus. The Spirit of God. And you know what? Things started turning. Things started turning. Why? They have to. They have to. According to Philippians 2, his name is above every name. Now, is the word of God true or not? The word of God cannot be broken. The word of God states that that name is above every name. Every name. The name I was up against, the name of Jesus is above that name. 
I come at you in the name of Jesus. And you know what? Things turned. Things turned. Things turned. You know, if you've got a child at home that is tormented, that won't sleep at night, that is fussy. Oh, we had one, our first one. If we put her to bed at night, she'd start screaming. You know what you do? I come at you. I come at you in the name of Jesus. You spirit of torment. It's trying to threaten you. I come at you in the name of Jesus. I come at you in the name of Jesus. I bind you. I bind you. You know what? It has to go. It has to. It has to. Well, what if I'm not believing? You do it until you believe. I told God one time I was doing that. I was binding. And I said, my heart was saying, I don't know if I believe this or not. And I told God, I'm going to say this a thousand times. And maybe 637 is going to work. Maybe my faith will be there. You know what it was. It was. Why? Because I did it until I got it. I did it until I got it. Ladies, we give up too soon. We give up too soon. The battle's not ours. It is not us. God spared his own, did spare not his own son for us so that he may freely give us all things. All things. All things. They're ours if we will fight for them. And we've got the weapon. We've got the weapon. I come at you in the name of Jesus. I come at you in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Anybody need prayer? If you come up here, I'll pray for you. Anybody need prayer? I give thanks, Jesus. I thank you. I give thanks, Jesus. I get 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 thanks, Jesus. I join my faith with you that have torment. I join my faith for you, with you right now, and I'm going to pray with you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Father, I come in the name of Jesus. And I break every bond of torment now in the name of Jesus. I break every bond of torment now in the name of Jesus. I break, I break that bond of torment in the name of Jesus. I break that power of that spirit. I break you in the name of Jesus. I break you. You, I break you. I break you in the name of Jesus. I break you. I break you. I break you in the name of Jesus. I break this torment. I break you. I break you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 If you have to play that a couple times to the kitties, you go right ahead and you join in. Amen? 
Amen. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.